Welcome to Virtual Expat, where we investigate the interplay between living overseas and living online. What happens to our online presence, our online persona, when we change countries? Does anything happen? Does one support the other? Does one conflict with the other? I don't know, but I wanted to find out, so I'm going to interview a lot of expats in order to get to the heart of this question. Is there interplay between our online selves and our geographically mm, varied self? I am very pleased to have Amazon as an affiliate for this podcast. I've lived in the middle of nowhere in the U.S. and I've lived in big cities in the U.S. And in both cases, there are times and situations where I found it really, really useful to use their services. I also have Audible, which I'm a huge audiobook person. And I'm guessing if you're listening to podcasts, you probably are too. With the affiliate program, all you do is shop normally with my affiliate link and I get a small commission of whatever you buy. That's it. It's that simple. So you can either go to the show notes to find the link, or you can go to Steph Fuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. Down at the bottom is a button, and you can just press that and go over to my Amazon affiliate page. Whatever you do, whatever you buy, I appreciate you supporting the podcast with this link. May from Intellect Grind. That's the best intro I can come up with. <laughs> she's amazing. Okay, she's Egyptian. She's studying in the UK. She studies philosophy. She learns languages. She does book reviews online. She talks about philosophy online. She has live streams where people engage about philosophical ideas online. And she's also started to do some videos in Arabic online too. And all of this is just mind-blowing. It's Why is it mind-blowing? I don't know. I, I still think of YouTube in its early days with uh, cat videos galore and not much else. And I started to pay attention to YouTube when it became very music-heavy. I would put YouTube on in the background and just listen to it for music. And then I discovered all kinds of things about two years ago the language learning vloggers, the polyglots, and then I discovered a bunch of experts that were putting like their lectures or speeches or things like that online, and, and it just snowballed from them. Never in a million years did I think I would be totally and completely addicted, which I am, May, to a channel about philosophy and language learning and books. Now, two of those three I'm not very surprised with, but philosophy has been something that's been interesting, but I'm more interested in sociology than philosophy. However... Watching how May deals with these conundrums that philosophy drudges up is really, really fascinating. And watching, more importantly, the community that she's building and the people that are interested in this converge on her channel during live streams and just in general in the comment section is really impressive. I never in a million years when YouTube first started thought that it would grow into something so interesting and so forward-moving. May's channel, Intellect Grime, was recommended on Ophelia Vert's channel, her language learning channel. She is also an amazing YouTuber to check out. I feel like it's female power moment. <laughs> but anyway, so I checked it out and I was super impressed. And thank you, Ophelia, again for recommending another amazing YouTuber. A couple of more things I want to mention is that May is now the proud co-creator of the VRL acronym, and you'll hear what that is, but if I say IRL, VRL, 
think you might get an idea. I think it's a term that needs to exist. So I'm going to use it from here on out, and I strongly encourage the rest of you to do so too. The thing I want to mention has nothing to do with May, although I do, do hope she participates in this. I have a new YouTube channel called Tube to Pod, and what I want to do in this channel is have micro videos of people answering three questions about podcasts. My goal for this channel is to bridge people from YouTube over to podcasts, not to replace their YouTube viewing, but to supplement it with podcasts. A lot of people apparently still are not listening to podcasts, still are unaware of what they are, what they can do with them, what they can learn from them, that kind of thing. So the three questions are, one, where do you listen to podcasts? Two, why do you listen to podcasts? And three, what is your favorite podcast at the moment? Now, if you're interested in participating in this, you can either post a video under two minutes on Instagram with the hashtag tube to pod, T-U-B-E, T-O-P-O-D. Or you can email me your video and I'll post it on the YouTube channel. If you put it on Instagram, I'll record it, copy it over onto the channel. If you send it to me via email, I'll post it over onto the channel. And if you are more tech savvy than clearly I am, and you know a better way how to get other people's videos onto YouTube, please let me know. Because right now I'm doing a copy and paste kind of thing. I'll also put the link to the new channel in the show notes below. And hopefully by the time you get there, it'll be flooded with videos from folks. And if it isn't, help me do that. Thank you so much. Let's listen to what May has to say about this IRL VRL interplay when expats change locations. Thank you so much, Maya, for joining us on Virtual Expat. Can you Thank you for having me. Introduce yourself. Thank you. My name is May. Uh, if you can't pronounce that in Arabic, you can call me May. And I'm from Cairo, Egypt born and raised here for 17 years and then I moved to the UK for the last few years so been there for about two years going into my third to study at university. And we're, we're clearly taking a very broad approach to the term expat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was interesting for me to hear like the term expat and I never thought of myself as an expat but I guess I would be considered one because I've lived abroad and from like not my home country I guess so yeah. and my form of expat isn't even the traditional form where I'm like in a country for a few years and then I intentionally go to a different country so there's again the umbrella expat yeah yeah because yeah, living somewhere outside of your passport country just was not really user-friendly mm. <laughs> so let's get started <laughs> Living outside of your uh, your home country is Egypt, correct? You were yes. Yeah. So living outside of there, is it just the UK so far, or have you lived in other places as well? So I did a course briefly in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was living there for like a month and a half. I don't really count as having lived there. The UK okay. is the first place that I've like moved long term, I would say. Gotcha, gotcha. Just out of curiosity, where were you in the US? I was in Boston. Oh, that's a good place <laughs> to end up. That is, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty true. What did I you love think? the community there. Yeah. Um, I was taking a class at Harvard, and it, it was just like a summer course yeah. uh, about sociology, anthropology, that kind of yeah. stuff. Like stuff that I don't really get to cover in philosophy, which is a much more refined discipline than I thought it was going to be when I entered. And so right. I decided to broaden a bit. But um, yeah, it was true. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a really nice 
place to end up. A lot of times when I talk to international students, they're like, they mention places in states that I've heard of, but cities or towns that I've never heard of, like in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, mm. ah, okay. <laughs> Boston, nice, nice. And you're studying philosophy, right? Yes. So we're basically going to kind of do kind of like a chronological snapshot of what you've done online your entire life. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So when did you first do stuff online? Like how old? Okay. Um, I was maybe 13, I want to say. For sure. When I first like got a Facebook account. I really disliked it, to be honest. I'm not a fan of Facebook. And I I got it for like God knows why. And I still have it for unknown reasons. (laughs) I'm just kind of over it. But uh, that was like, yeah, my the first time I had an online presence, I guess you sure. could say. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Were you using email before Facebook or after Facebook? Oh, I actually, yeah, I did use email before that. I didn't know that counted because it's not, you don't think of it as a very like public thing. But yeah, I was using email. I had pen pals from the age of like nine, I think. Wow. Okay. That's a, That's an interesting point. Yeah, it's public versus private because social media would definitely be online. Websites would be something that you're huh, I'm still working these questions, sorry, because <laughs> I am No, they're great questions, honestly. This is a very interesting, like, theme to have for a podcast, I think, like, virtual Because I know the experiences that I've had in different places and how it's changed, but I, I wanted a space to pick other people's brains <laughs> and kind yeah. of share that with the world, too. But yeah, because emails between that one person or a few people and then social media is definitely much wider especially if you don't uh, close off your account to certain people and then websites are something you do that isn't necessarily seen by most people although there are bots and things that can scrape that information Mm. oh you're gonna make me rethink my questions okay Um, (laughs) so Facebook was first at 13 what were you posting I don't know, like profile pictures, uh, edited profile pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, like just basically what people use Twitter for now was Facebook then. Okay. People would just like put in their, like how they're doing that day or whatever. And like a random thought that came, came about. But it definitely wasn't as active as it is now where like you can find so many posts from so many different pages and then like repost them and share them with people. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over the Facebook. <laughs> I'm not not a fan anymore. Why? Did, did anything happen or just kind of just doesn't attract your interest anymore? Yeah, I'm just not inspired by the platform. It's It's very like, it makes you feel like you should be on it because there's so much information on it. There's so many people that are connected through it. But I don't know. I just did a bit disillusioned, but I don't have really like... Uh, so the reason I guess I never even wanted an account. Like after having Facebook for a couple of years, I think I actually deactivated my account for a couple more years, and then I was actually forced back into it because what? my GC music class like really needed to get in touch with me through like a platform everyone was on, and Facebook was that platform. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people have the, that experience with Facebook where they are forced to use the platform because so many other people are participating in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just, I want to get out as soon as possible because yeah. as well, like the fact that they have all of our information and they're like giving it to companies and yeah. it's just, it feels really icky. And like, I don't want to be able to be tracked on Facebook 
because not that what I do on there is anything controversial. It's just simply like, I don't, I don't need all my information to be on there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm noticing a lot of people go on and off the platform a lot. Mm. Like that kind of back and forth of, well, I want the information, but I don't want all the other stuff. And I like looking at what people are doing, but it seems like my life sucks. Or there's this kind of like, <laughs> back and forth yeah. of different stuff. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was more of, I felt like people that I barely knew suddenly had access to really intimate details of my life. And even if I didn't share that stuff, they would share theirs. And I'm like, but I just met you or I haven't seen you for 20 years. And it was just really like a right. sense of intimacy. I was like, nah, I don't know. So I've been yeah. on it for a while, but my husband's still on it. So occasionally he'll like turn his phone around and go, look at this. And I'll be like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying not to get sucked in, damn it. I don't want to know what I'm missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, my my boyfriend's off of Facebook. I think for a year now he's not been on it. Yeah. He's very much like addicted to it and like in the comments, like just arguing with people and not getting anywhere. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I barely use it. The thing is, I don't think I'm active on Facebook. Like I barely, barely use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so after Facebook, what did you? What else do you generally do online? Social media so, or websites or anything. So I tried to get into the like blogging thing, I think from a young age, mm -hmm. but I don't think it really took off. I didn't know like what platform to use. That was like the ideal like blogging platform mm -hmm. where I could find cool blogs, but also like have my own blog. And so mm -hmm. that was a very much like a short fleeting moment. Um, in my online presence, like <laughs> attempting vlogging and then like <laughs> yeah, yeah, retracting. Yeah. And, Did you um, start like a few posts and then just kind of abandon it or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't even remember because it was so fleeting, but I remember everyone being on about like, oh, I have this blog or like some people online just having all their information on this blog. And it seemed like a really cool idea. It was just not something that I couldn't personally engage with in the way that say YouTube completely changed my life. How like when I got on YouTube and the amount of influence like different YouTubers had on my personal development mm -hmm. and and then me like aspiring to do that and then eventually being able to do that. Like YouTube yeah. is revolutionary and I love it, but yeah. uh, like blogging just was never the same for me. No, no. I'm, uh, we'll just pretend a hair older than you. And so I blogged because there wasn't anything else online yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what I mean. It's also, yeah. it was a very big thing. Because yeah. oh, was, there wasn't cool. even social media. I mean, that was, that was it. It was websites, which were really clunky and ugly. And then there were blogs, which were a little prettier albeit not that pretty for a while. And so, yeah, so it ended up being, and when, when videos got to be on blogs, it was like, oh, oh my God, this is going to change the world. And it did. <laughs> and then they went off of blogs and onto places like YouTube. And then I'm still amazed when I meet people who are still blogging. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, that still exists because it's so, it feels like it's so rare these days. Yeah. 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 Wow, wow, wow. Do you, uh, did you ever get into reading any specific blogs? No, I think most of the blogs that I interacted with were from YouTube because I am from a much younger like generation. I like found out about blogging mm -hmm. almost through YouTube. 
which is kind oh of a reversal. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, wait. When you started YouTube, how old were you then? A year ago, I was 18. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. You're seriously 19 years old. You are in. Yeah, I get that a lot. I get that from my friends. They're like, what? How? Like, what? They can't really comprehend it, but yes, I'm 19. I'm going to turn 20 very soon, so. No, 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 no. It's so not an insult at all. You're just so damn articulate. I, I seriously wish I could form things coming out of my mouth the way that you did when I was 19 or 20 years old. Oh, thank you. Damn. No, you're welcome. Sorry, I, did, I didn't mean that condescending at all. No, age, no, no, I didn't think it that way. It's just a bit, like, of an awkward topic because what even is age? Like, after a certain point, when you reach, like, a certain consciousness, conscious mm-hmm. state, like, like, numbers are nothing. Like, Yeah. No, people seem <laughs> to react to age no matter what the age is. When I tell people <laughs> I'm like approaching 47, they're like, oh my God. And like every age that I've been in my life, there's always been a, oh my God, something <laughs> moment. And I'm like, when is that going to end? When I'm 60, yeah. please stop caring what comes out of my mouth when I say how old I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't take it personally. I think people just feel the need to have an opinion, myself included, apparently. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So YouTube was a year ago. So wait, when did you start your channel? A year ago? Um, yeah, literally a year ago, like August 20th. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, the end of the yeah. summer. Yeah. After my first year of university was over, and I was, like, doing this camp thing. Yeah. A bunch of people. It was really cool. Um, and then in my, on, on, in my downtime, I was, like, thinking a lot about, like, I really want to do, like, a creative project. I've been wanting to do one all year. And, like... Philosophy really just expanded my mind in a very short period of time, especially mm-hmm. in first year, because you got to cover like so many different topics. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I felt ready, but I was really underconfident. And I was like, how am I going to just like break? Because there's so much stigma around YouTube, I feel as well. Mm-hmm. Like as much as it's awesome and the people who are on it really love it. There are a lot of people who have a very particular view of like what it means mm-hmm. to be a YouTuber yeah. and like, the the judgment or like the shame that kind of goes into the idea that maybe you want to be seen or heard and like how maybe that's a bit like self-inflated and like how like self-involved and I don't I'm I don't want to be associated with that in any way but I do want to have influence on people and like share my ideas and get some feedback and like have discourse Mm -hmm. so it was really like difficult to like you know step or like think past that but I'm so glad I did it, like, in one year. I'm so, so glad that, you know, I've met people like you and so many other people. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. I could not agree with you more. I honestly, I used YouTube for years as a very passive person, just, like, watching videos, mostly music videos. I had no idea there was, like, this intelligent side to YouTube. I was like, I just need something to, you know, kind of empty my brain out at the end of a stressful day. And then when I started studying Chinese last year, I started looking for like videos explaining things in Chinese, Mm. not in Chinese, about the language. And I ended up running across a bunch of language, uh, language learning vloggers. And then the avalanche happened. And then I saw people like Ophelia Verd and all all these people. And I was like, oh, people are talking about this. People are watching their channel wait, there's an audience for talking about language? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so then it led me to all kinds of different stuff that was on the not just fun side of YouTube, but on the like intelligent brain scratching side. And I just went, oh, my God, seriously, it's crazy how much is out there. And I'm really glad you're doing it because it seems like there are mostly men doing it. And so Mm. I'm glad I don't like doing the men versus women thing, but there's so few of us out there. (laughs) So I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, I think, yeah, for each like topic or like big theme where there's a community surrounding it a lot of the time there are like just some really big names and a lot of them are men and you don't really see especially like non-white women as well I feel like a lot it's very Mm -hmm. dominated by like just the Caucasian populace which is super chill but like at the same time I just don't see that many quote-unquote people of color like just talking about the same things because it's not like we have different completely different experiences that we can't contribute to the same discussions it's just we don't have the confidence I feel or like the social encouragement to do these things right right right. no that's a really really good point I mean because there's different there's different languages on YouTube different languages used and so there really wouldn't be a reason other than not feeling like it's a platform that is meant to have folks Mm -hmm. outside of us pasty white folks so why god I hadn't even thought about I actually really want to start talking about this stuff on my channel, but it's it's really a big a big thing to like kind of change lanes a bit to talk about like social issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder because I've looked up like gender wise, I've seen stuff on like the stats of the male versus female viewership and that kind of thing, and I've seen like age demographics, but I haven't really seen ethnicity demographics or even mm-hmm. necessarily country demographics. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Oh, thank you. You've just given me some research to do. (laughs) Please let me know how that research turns out because I just, from my own experience, I just have barely seen any Arab women like on YouTube. And so it's very like, it was just such a bigger deal than in my my head. Like it was such a bigger deal than it was to actually just start a channel because I just never seen Arab women on YouTube. And then ever since like being on the platform because I was also a very passive viewer for like years and years and years and at first yeah YouTube was like I didn't watch anything intelligent on there and then I discovered like booktube and then I discovered um, there's such a like or there like yeah there's a really big like community of readers on YouTube that just books and like find out about this stuff sorry Yeah, they're really into like book hauls and it's really big in like young adult fiction. So when I was like reading a lot of young adult fiction, most of my recommendations were coming from YouTube. That's so cool. There are so many different communities that are amazing. Discovering the language community was what like, like did it for me. I was like, okay, it's time. Like this is active. It's young. It's fresh. It's happening now. I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm just going to crawl in there. Bookstagram on Instagram. Are you on that? So recently, yeah, I have been using my story to share like my books and stuff, but the one, the intellect grime, like my artistic account doesn't have any book posts. Like I don't take pictures of books I've gotten and just make a post about that particular book just because I I want to share art and poetry and stuff. So I've been using my story to share books, which is cool. Yeah, like I didn't even, I didn't know about Bookstagram until I realized like the booktubers usually also have an Instagram and they probably also share books on there. So that's basically, I feel what Bookstagram is. It's just the 
the Instagram version of BookTube. <laughs> well, yeah, and I didn't realize that Bookstagram was a thing until I was doing a live stream and Tom Reads or Tom Reed, I think that's his name. Yeah, he was mentioning it just as part of a sentence. And I'm like, stop. What is Bookstagram? <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> what, mm. what, what? Yeah. And Studygram and all these things. And I'm like, wait, there are people taking pictures of what they're studying and posting it online. That is so up my notes. I can do that. It's like bullet journal heaven on there. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't do a bullet journal, I do lists, but I appreciate that people put them on there because at some point I may venture over. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen. So you mentioned that you have an intellect grime Instagram account and then a personal account. Yeah, I do have a personal account that I'm, I've been very unactive on, <laughs> inactive on. I just don't, I don't really use it very much because I don't like posting selfies. And so I only ever post like cool, like photographs or whatever. And now I put most of that on intellect grime. So I'm really inactive on my personal account. Okay. Um, what was your intention in having the two? So I started my Instagram really late to the game. Like so many people had Instagram way before I had Instagram mm -hmm. and I was not a really big fan of the idea of it or anything. And then when I finally got it, I was like, okay, I kind of see the appeal and like, okay, I might try it. And it's more to like watch the people that I know, like what they're up to and on their stories and like personal events and stuff and like like their photos and if they've graduated they'll post something or something like that but then I, I started intellect grime I'm not sure honestly if I started right before my youtube channel started or right after but they were very much like related to each other because mm -hmm. I, I knew that I wanted to post poetry um, I knew that I wanted to pair it with some sort of art or film related thing mm -hmm. and yeah they were just kind of connected in that way yeah and I, I, I knew I wanted to be somewhat anonymous I didn't want people to like know my last name or anything be able to like look me up on Facebook, Facebook <laughs> always. yeah yeah Facebook stress <laughs> let's, let's go back and put some places on this so the the Facebook at 13 years old that was clearly in Egypt the blog moment was clearly in Egypt but the YouTube that was after your first year in the UK is that right yeah okay. yeah when I was reading your questions I found it really interesting because I never correlated my own like online presence uh -huh. and like my confidence to do that with the fact that I had moved. I always correlated just with the fact that I built confidence and like mm -hmm. got a bit older at university yeah. and my experiences at university, but sure, sure, sure. that was also had to do with my location, I guess. Right. It may or may not. I'm totally mm -hmm. taking a stab at a dark with this, the intersection of living somewhere else and our, our, our online list. There may not be any effect at all, and I could, you know, disband the sucker in a couple of months. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, please don't. It seems like it's going to come out with like some really interesting um, conversations with it people. May, it may, well, it is now clearly, but <laughs> well, do if there was an effect that being in the UK and studying there for a year would have had or might have had on your confidence level to do the YouTube channel, what would it have been? My God, that was the longest question in the world. But, <laughs> no, but it was well put, grammatically correct. Well, it was good. I'm not, I'm not sure what it would have been, honestly, like, I guess just being where, I mean, there is somewhat of a correlation because in Egypt, we don't really have the best internet connections and we don't really have the best just like access to online things. Actually, there are lots of websites recently we found out 
that Al Jazeera is like blocked in Egypt. Like you can't access the news. Like one of the most reliable sources of news about like the Middle East and stuff in this country. And that's insane. But I feel like a lot of people are demotivated by that and by the fact that they don't see a lot of like Egyptian YouTubers doing it from Egypt or like in Arabic or anything. I feel like it's it's a bit yeah demotivating to not mm-hmm. see representation and then also to have like bad internet connection, not be able to do the stuff as easily and have access to technology. And uh, yeah, it's mostly about access. I think when I saw that, you know, the internet connection in the UK is amazing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and people are like, there are a lot of big YouTubers that live in London or near London. And I was like very motivated by the fact that, Hey, I'm near London. Like I could do this, you know, it's, it's closer to me. I feel like the, accessibility was it was more present there yeah 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 yeah. oh yeah i get that i live in i live in china i live live by my vpn until it gets really strict like half the country is online doing stuff they shouldn't i think at least well Mm. in a tier one city like shanghai beijing that kind of thing a lot of people have vpns a lot i can't speak for like outside of those cities and definitely not in the countryside I think the internet's not as good but definitely in those cities it's so common it's ridiculously common I have conversations with locals about which VPNs we're using at the current moment and what works best it's like wait this is illegal why are we having this conversation (laughs) no but it makes sense when there's something to access people want to access it Yeah. yeah you know and there's yeah. a lot of Chinese young people in their 20s and 30s who have already been abroad and came back and they know what they're missing and they want to keep mm-hmm. in touch with the stuff that they started using when they were overseas. Yeah. Okay, so YouTube and so Instagram was fairly recent then. You said you were late. Yeah, also pretty recently. Like probably I've only been on Instagram for a year using the Intellect Gram account and then before that maybe two years or three years on Instagram. Okay. Two to three. I mean, I deleted the app several times, not my account, but the app because it, it's very addicting. Yeah. It's not good for you. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just social media. Like yeah. there's, there's this good side of it where it's like you're connected to people and you get feedback and you get conversations and really interesting stuff mm-hmm. happening really interesting information being shared but then you get addicted and you get just like you feel bad and you compare yourself to other people who are doing like better than you with like the numbers and the statistics and all that stuff and it's always the question of is it worth it and yeah I'll only keep going as long as it's worth it you know yeah Yeah. how do you measure that that worth how do you measure if it's adding more to your IRL than than your online life Wait, IRLs in real life. Do we have an acronym for online life? Damn it, we need an acronym. Yeah. Wait, IRL, online real life. ORL? I think we've got to start with ORL. So, so how do you balance your IRL and your ORL? <laughs> um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, how do I balance it? I mean, recently I've been using an app called Moment and it tells me how many times I picked up my phone that day and how many minutes I've been on my phone that day. No. And the other day, actually, like maybe a few days ago, 
uh, I was on my phone for five hours, five hours. And the average human checks their average person with a smartphone will check their smartphone 150 times a day, 150 times. And so like that day with the five hours, I probably checked it around a hundred times, but ever since then, like ever since that day, I've just been like staying away from my phone and, um, under an hour each day and like not picking it up well trying not to pick it up more than like twice an hour because there are all these micro distractions that like stop us from doing stuff IRL like you were saying so I don't know how to measure its worth to be honest I have no idea micro I just need a note to myself to look at at that app moment it's great it's really really great is it a paid app or a free app because I'm a free app I I think it's I think it's free yeah and then it'll just I can show you. It'll just like show you. That is right so here. cool. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's But it'll tell it'll tell me like I've been on my phone for thirty seven minutes and I picked up twenty one times today. Um, so that way I can like I just keep myself in check. Yeah, I knew there were apps that could like block out the internet or could stop you from using certain things for certain periods of time. Like you could set it yeah. to just stop that, especially on computers. I knew those existed, but I didn't realize there was stuff like that. <sighs> yeah. I mean, those are really useful tools. And I feel like we, it's just the companies that are making these apps are completely, completely oblivious, or maybe they're actually intentionally trying to get people addicted, but they're mm-hmm. oblivious to like the greater impact that this, like has on society we're all stuck to our phones and it's almost like a virtual reality we're participating in and then how are we going to get out of it if and and the fact that it can influence like stuff like elections and we've seen that happen a couple years ago and it's insane like like our technology should not have that kind of power over us and so i'm trying to just make sure it doesn't have that kind of power over me individually Hey expats and geopaths, what do you do with the annoying paper mail that you get to your old addresses in your home country? For a few years I'd have all of my mail forwarded to one friend and then I'd feel guilty for bothering them so much. So then I'd have a family member um, deal with my mail and so on and so forth. And I did this for about like, what, 12, 13 years. And it got annoying and let's face it, I miss some mail because people have better things to do then look after my paper correspondence. So I finally broke down and got a service from traveling mailboxes. They will literally receive your mail. You get a US address, you get to pick the city that it's in, and you receive mail. And they'll let you know when mail comes in, they'll open it, scan it for you so you can read it. If you really need to, they'll forward it to you for a fee. You can also get packages delivered as well. And so there's like a variety of different services that you can have where you don't have to keep bugging your friends and family to deal with your paper mail. So if you go to stephfuccio.weebly.com, it's S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. If you go to the bottom, you'll see the blue ad on the right, Traveling Mailbox. Click on that. I am now an affiliate program with them, so if you join their services, we both end up very, very happy campers, and you never have to ask your friends or family to receive your mail again. It's truly a beautiful thing. so many people like I've been chilling with my cousin who's going off to university for the first time like um, abroad 
this in the next few weeks and mm-hmm. always on her phone mm-hmm. like basically 90% of her waking hours during the summer at least when she has nothing else to do right she's on her phone and it's just scrolling it's yeah. not even like it's just too much information we're just scrolling and scrolling and like mm-hmm. allowing our phones to just come out with whatever is online at the moment mm-hmm. and then how does that affect your psychology and how does that affect other facets of your life and yeah. the things that you're not like pursuing because you're on your phone, like right. watching other people and how they've been doing. And it's yeah. just, <laughs> it's so hard. See the problem. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's so hard. Cause I, I want to be a defender of technology. Cause I think the tiny computers we have in our pockets now are amazing. I I grew up without computers. I didn't have my first laptop until like my mid twenties. I had a beeper. That's how much of this trajectory I've been on. And I want to believe that we can be smart digital citizens. And then I see what most people are doing. And my, sometimes myself, I see what I'm doing and I'm like, ah, the excuse is I have my audio recordings for studying Chinese on my phone. So I have to turn it on and I ignore those notifications. Mm, it's good to just turn all the notifications off I think notifications are probably the devil like they just pop up and they they seem like they're important but they're not like I truly believe the real world the IRL is just so much more important than the online and even though the online can 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 contribute so much and can affect people so much in a positive way and like I obviously believe in it enough to like be contributing to some of the online noise but I just feel like there's so much of it. It's just a a bit too overpopulated. It's so much and you can't process that much information in a day. And so it's good to limit that. (laughs) The biggest app that I use in China is this app called WeChat. And it's basically like Facebook on steroids, but everybody uses it for work, for fun, for groups, like everything's on there. And a lot of the people I meet in person communicate via this app. So it's, it's, like I have to check it to make sure that this person's going to show up at this time at this place or that this group is, is meeting next week or like there's an in-person thing that's directly connected to it. So I have to constantly wow. be checking it. It's hard, but I do think as of right now, I think that the positive stuff that comes from it is better for me personally than the negative stuff that comes from it. But there, it is very easy to slip into just are ORLs. I know why this is not an acronym. It's too hard to say. <laughs> I don't think the R makes sense because it's like it real. It's, it's not, not it's not real. It's like VRL, like virtual reality life. Like Oh, there you go. That's much easier to say too. VRL VRL. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't I don't even know what I was saying, but that is a much better one. Or no, I mean it, I think it's like so important that it's valuable for you like as long as you're getting some value out of it Mm. individually I think socially it's problematic but because of like the the IRL things being controlled by the VRL I actually really like this new acronym now (laughs) I'm gonna start using it 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 yeah so with okay with intellect grime the YouTube channel why did you start it who did who were you hoping to talk to Ooh, that's a great question who was I hoping to talk to I mean I obviously I share the dream for me was to share my poetry and like I, it's kind of embarrassing to admit but like I yeah I, I really care about my poetry and I think that um 
I would love to one day like publish a collection of poetry or something. But I also had like a lot of other things I wanted to do mm-hmm. from inspired by a lot of other people on YouTube that mm-hmm. I saw and I, I was just like taken away by and I was like, I could do something like that or maybe just not as good, but I'll just do more and it'll be fine. <laughs> I obviously wanted to talk to the language community because I found that they were just so young, so vibrant, so vibrant. I was just starting to learn a new language for the first time and I was like taking it very seriously. I found Polyglot Progress, I found Ophelia Vare and they just inspired me so much to just go for it and to learn as much as possible and like just, you know, keep keep at it. And so I wanted to talk to them and, and, and just like the people in their communities. But I also wanted to talk to just anybody who cared more about like, thinking than they cared about not thinking like I there are a lot of people who are willing to be just like passive throughout life and just you know be on their phones all the time without really thinking about what they're absorbing and and people who are willing to just like I I don't know how to put this This is a really difficult question actually no um, no I think you're I think you're being very very articulate about this I keep hearing the word awake in social media for like being conscious of what we're experiencing, what we're doing, why we're doing it, that kind of thing. And I don't know, because I'm so far from the folks that are using it in the U.S. that I don't know if that's their intention, but I like that idea of what that means. Yeah, Um, no, it's a good term to use, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I know what you mean. You wanted to have conversations that matter you wanted to talk about stuff that is worth thinking about yeah exactly that's definitely what I want and I looked up to so many different people who were doing that and I was like these people are amazing but I would always see the channels that were doing the like mindless things Mm -hmm. were so much more successful than these channels that are actually working hard and producing really 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 good quality things yeah they just had such a smaller following and I was like you know what doesn't matter about as long as there are more people doing that, mm-hmm. the more people are likely to find it. That's what's important. We just have to like do more of what we want to see. Yeah. So I, I just want to see more thought-provoking stuff. I want to see more people interested in talking about books and talking about like progressing themselves as people and growing and, and doing their best and evolving and like learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of who you thought you were talking to who did it end up being have you had a lot of interaction with your audience so far wait I I have (laughs) I just ended up being the most wonderful like collection of people like we're basically like 200 people now which is amazing and and like all of them are just so lovely and sweet and are just really 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 interesting they all have like really interesting things to contribute to the discussion I always like read through a comment and I'm like wow I could not have put that any better and like that just added so much to my, like the value of my conversation the fact that other people are actually engaging with it yeah. so I'm just like really pleased with who's found my channel and decided to stick around and I'm very surprised about the fact that there are so fewer trolls on YouTube yeah. whenever I would because I obviously the first people you see on YouTube are the most popular ones because mm-hmm. those are the ones you have access to the quickest they are always complaining about trolls and like yep. people who don't really care about their videos people who just comment like garbage and I didn't want that and mm-hmm. I was like so nervous and it de- like 
this incentivized me for making a channel for so long. But I'm so thankful to like all the people who have engaged, you know? Yeah. I had a full on stalker when I blogged. So I was really hesitant to, to even enable comments on YouTube when I started a year and a half ago. Oh. But it's gotten way easier to deal with folks. Like I've only had two comments that I thought were kind of crap and needed to not exist. And you can delete them as the, the yeah. person that owns the channel. You just delete them and it's done. You don't need to ask the person to go, you know, whatever with themselves or anything. You just delete them and they're gone. And they don't, they haven't come back to do any other things. And I'm just like, cool. That is so much better than a friggin' stalker that lives in the same city. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That's yeah. The stalker thing is, is a bit creepy. I was yeah. offline for a really long time after that. Well, offline, except for email. Cause that's more of the private part mm-hmm. of it all. But yeah, I, I took a lot of stuff offline because it was just, it was not good. But it was early on during all of this stuff. And I don't think people understood how bad things could be when you have that kind of access. And I feel like although bullying and stuff happens and and there are situations like that still, I think it's gotten a lot better than it used to be, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I still don't think we've developed an online etiquette in any way. Like We have no idea what's acceptable. Like people are still oversharing. People are still like expecting a lot from the people that have shared anything at all and like it's really difficult because we have very clear like social etiquettes Mm -hmm. that each culture we just agree upon the certain things this is acceptable this is unacceptable sometimes there's a gray area but online like like first of all all these cultures are mashed up together and so (laughs) yeah there's that conflict but then there's just there's no way to like, we don't want censorship, but mm-hmm. we want people to be respectful and right. it's a difficult like balance. Yeah. 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 No, de- this is, this keeps coming up again and again and again. And I think it's part of the messiness of the internet still is that we don't, we're still kind we're kind of drunk on the opportunity, but we haven't really agreed on what we're doing yet with all of this. <laughs> like, what does that, what does that look like? Like, it, is it like, a course or a training session, a weekend, a day, an hour, like do you need before you sign online for the first time, whatever that may be, wherever that is, do you have to like click through a bunch of, I agree not to be an idiot. I agree not to harass someone. <laughs> not to post pictures of my X, Y, and Z, you know, I mean, just like different yeah. things. What we agree not to do to each other online. <laughs> Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I don't really listen to that many podcasts. I used to listen to a lot more. First of all, my auditory skills are my worst sense, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, But also, it's really difficult for me to process information that I just hear. I, I need to like see something. I'm very much a visual learner. Mm. So I prefer video. But I think it's an amazing, amazing, amazing like format. Because I think it's... Just because dialogue, it's just captured exactly the way it was said. And then other people have access to that. And then there's almost like an internal dialogue going on, responding to every single point made. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, you it's know, weird. like the- podcasts are amazing. I just don't have, I, I don't also have the time to like play them because I feel like I need to sit down and listen to one like properly. No. I know a lot of people are like, I'll just put on a podcast and like do my dishes or like. <laughs> 
Yay. Well, this is not meant to be podcast guilt. Absolutely not. The reason why I asked that is because yeah. no shame. I do multiple medium because it fits into different parts of my life during the day. Because we're talking about this VRL etiquette. VRL etiquette, which is almost going to turn into a YouTube channel that we'll have to do together, apparently. There's this podcast called, and you think I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a podcast called Conversations with People Who Hate Me by this wonderful gentleman called Dylan Marin. And it came up accidentally in this podcast brunch group that I'm in. And yes, I am in a brunch group that for podcasts, like oh, that's love, so cool. but with podcasts. And what he basically does is when people harass each other online, he gets the person that was harassed, the person that her- did the harassing, and he gets them to talk to each other in the podcast. Oh, that's so interesting. The coolest thing ever. I nearly screamed and like ran out and like flew to where he was to hug him. I was like, I didn't even realize this needed to exist until I heard him doing it. And I was like, oh, but it's it's part of that thing of, he oh, he has this phrase like, remember, there's always a person on the other side of that computer. Like you're talking mm. about a person. And yeah. then, that's part of that. Unless it's a robot. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they're robots. But generally when the people get aggressive and say mean things, it's towards somebody who's being vulnerable and open in some way. And and the bots don't do that as much. Yeah, that's true. That's so interesting. And I, yeah, I love how innovative people are being with their podcasts because you can just, it's just like a, a small, like topic or like a specialized thing that you're really interested in. And then you get to explore like so much of it over like weeks and weeks. Uh, sometimes years and it's really cool yeah it's really I'll definitely really check that one out conversations yeah, yeah. With I will email it to you you were doing Instagram before you went to the UK in the general area I don't yeah, want to be too specific <laughs> the greater London area yeah <laughs> so you were doing YouTube about then and you're in Egypt for the summer now right are you yeah. keeping up with your YouTube subscriptions while you're there what do you mean by that? Am I still making videos and like editing and posting and stuff? Yeah. And also watching the stuff that you generally watch. Oh, I, yeah, I'm definitely like active as a consumer, <laughs> as a, like, as an audience member on yeah. YouTube. I have been for so long and like, it's just, I love finding new channels as well. Like I really appreciate when I find just like this new human who has made so many things over uh, several years and usually when I when I get into interested in a topic I'll like look it up on YouTube mm-hmm. and I'll find so many videos of people who are also interested in that topic so yeah. my most recent obsession has been minimalism I read like three books yes and they were all like eye-opening and inspiring and stuff and and then I just like went on YouTube and saw like mm-hmm. where are the minimalists at and they are amazing they're just like they're you know sharing their ideology and and their philosophy and you know just like creating these communities of people that they can they can share ideas with and so no matter what the topic is there's gonna be like hundreds of videos about it which Mm -hmm. I love I love doing that and I love like finding the specific personalities that I want to continue to follow and like you know, turn on that notification bell and then like <laughs> turn off of my subscription button. I love it when my subscription button lights up. I'm like, time for a new video. Let's go. 
(laughs) But yeah, minimalism. Somebody just recommended a minimalist podcast to me last week, and I listened to the first episode today, and it's awesome. But it was like three hours long, and I kept staring at the podcast going, okay, an hour I'm used to, 45 minutes is easy. Three hours is a commitment. I may have to come back a few times. (laughs) But I I didn't expect to see if every episode that they have is three hours, but that particular one was. It was so interesting. I'll probably actually finish at least that episode. But on the minimalist side, I'm addicted to, and this is such a guilty pleasure, tiny apartments and tiny houses. Tiny houses? Yeah. Yeah. More so the apartments and the houses, but I do appreciate the houses. And there are some pretty amazing tiny apartments around the world. Tokyo and Paris seem to have the more kind of really, really smart interior design where there's everything just super condensed. Yeah. (laughs) I love watching it. I saw one in New York City last week where the guy had his arms on both both walls and that was Mm -hmm. the uh, width of the apartment. And it still had everything. I would be like, I would rent that. If I was a single person in New York City, I would rent that in a heartbeat. Amazing. That's so cool. Like that's tight. Like that's way tinier than I would expect, though. Like to be able to fit all of the essentials. I mean, I'm about minimalism, but I feel like minimalism is is a bit like more nuanced, where it doesn't have to be tiny. It just has to be like enough for the person. Yeah. So it depends on the person, but also especially in like New York and Tokyo and Paris and like just really big cities, mm-hmm. it just saves a lot of on rent. Like you yeah. really don't need that many things. You really don't need that much space yeah. as long as you're comfortable yeah. and you have the things that you do need, like save money on rent. Like you don't have to get the bigger house just because you have a bigger income. Like, exactly. Not exactly. or something. Yeah. I'm totally. The, oh, I think in I think in tickets. I think in uh, flight tickets. Wait, you spend that much on rent? You could pay half of that and then take a flight every three months. I mean, what what are you doing? Yeah, that's a vacation. What? <laughs> what? How long have you been living in Shanghai? Um, this time around is about a year and a half. But we, I've lived overseas for the majority of the past fifteen years in different countries. And it's, it is what it is. I was too restless to be at home. My parents put me on a plane when I was four and it kind of wrecks you. I couldn't, I couldn't really stay in America after that. I was like, yeah, we're the best place on earth. Sure. But I know that place is over there and I think there's more. So yeah. Yeah. What what have been your favorite like countries that you've lived in? Ah, uh, That's so hard because there's like different things that I like about different places yeah food and because I taught for a long time so the food and my students definitely Vietnam hands down Mm. a million times in the north not south people are preferential but definitely for for opportunities and innovation China Mm. this is the place that has absolutely the most most places I've been to especially in Asia the opportunities have been within the tiny um, area of education or even smaller teaching English but China right now is so bursting at the seams with literally everything that there's so many opportunities outside of all that, that it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like I should be looking for a new job right now and I'm not because I know I'll start getting very distracted and stop studying and I've got another test in December and I'm like, I have to focus, but it's just, it's just ridiculous how bursting this place is right now for general quality of life and people and the gorgeousness of men pre-marriage uh pick your location in latin america (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate to sound so stereotypical, but just slower, more friendly, just very laid back and very yeah. in front of you, at least back then when I went to a few different countries, nothing's ever going to top that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I really want to travel through Latin America, but I need to learn some Spanish. Like I can't, I can't go and not be able to speak their language. Like I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You my mom is learning Spanish at the moment. And so she's like, she's an amazing language learner, by the yeah. way. I don't yeah. think I mentioned it enough on my channel, but really? she's such an inspiration. Like she's um, like C1 yeah. French. Yeah. And then uh, that, cause that's basically her first language. And then she gets obviously very fluent in English and Arabic. Yeah. But then also she's learned Spanish. She's learned Dutch. She's learned a bit of German just so so many languages wow she's actually really excited to learn mandarin soon so oh i might like recommend your channel to her oh no we want her to to like want to do it not (laughs) (laughs) so inspiring though like you already are going into like hsk three or four and it's amazing three and very slowly Oh my god. Although I can finally read. Thank God. My gosh. <laughs> yeah, this language is is a bit much. Yeah. It's crazy. That's really exciting though. Was that like a hobby or did you do it for like professional reasons or just No, it's purely a hobby, I think. Oh, and like that's she, she's progressed in so like so much for something that was just a hobby, just for fun, just so that she can talk to like if she hears somebody speak a language that she yeah. speaks hello there like uh, what's um, up <laughs> well hey wait since we're talking about language is most of the stuff you do online in english in arabic or is it mixed actually most of the stuff i do online is in english yeah the arabic online sphere i feel like is really inaccessible even to people who speak arabic i follow a few like youtubers that do arabic videos and like those are probably the most accessible things mm-hmm. because it's just someone speaking like you can just listen and absorb the information and then comment or something but in terms of like reading like uh, our websites or anything they're just like made really badly I want to say like maybe not I just it's just not like it's just not very easy to like find that kind of stuff online in Arabic I feel maybe it's because my Arabic is not as good as it should be uh, which I'll admit, it's definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's, I just yeah. Whenever I, whenever I like encounter an Arabic website, it's just the layout is not mm. user friendly. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's very basic. It's it's very like twenty years ago, like when the internet was starting out. Yeah, that's what that's what like the websites still look like when oh, they're in Arabic. Usually, like yeah. usually, that's what I find. Only like bilingual websites will be a bit better in terms of layout and like accessibility and stuff. Since I don't really engage in blogs in English, I don't in Arabic either. So, but yeah, yeah. my online, I really want to do more stuff in Arabic though, like especially videos, like really short thoughts in Arabic, because it'd be a good way to maintain it while I'm away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What would can I ask? What was your first language or languages? Did, what? Yeah, language? so Egyptian Arabic was my first language. Like yeah. that's the only language I spoke up to like the age of four. Okay. And then I went to school, an international school, and they taught me English. And so by the age of like six, I was just like 
And my sister actually used to have like a really thick Egyptian accent when she spoke yeah. in English until I learned English. And then we started talking to each other. Yeah. And so that's how we kind of maintained our and progressed our languages together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way about Chinese websites that you do about websites in Arabic. They're, mm-hmm. You go to them and there's like 200 things hitting you at once. And I've gotten comfortable with the script, even if I can't read it now. Like, it doesn't freak me out anymore. Like, I used to go to Chinese websites and just go, no, and shut them down because it was just so overwhelming. And that doesn't happen. But there's just, they squeeze so much on a page. And Chinese is a more condensed language. You don't need as many words for the same meaning. Like, they have, the characters actually hold a lot more meaning than words do. So why they're so busy with so many characters all over, like every single place you could have a menu or a pop-up or a picture moving and something. It's, it's just, it's like Disneyland squished into an inch of space. <laughs> yeah, it's just difficult to navigate. Like yeah. if you're not just so familiar with either that website already or like what you're looking for. Yeah. You can't just like be browsing and like on the internet. No. In that language, it's, no. it's very difficult. No. I feel like definitely English is the language of the internet. Yeah. Uh, m- most of the stuff going on in the internet is, is going on in English. Ooh. Well, that brings up the question of exclusion, though. Because for folks who don't, who, who can't navigate English yet or ever, are they completely locked out of all the stuff that makes us giddy when we find it online? Absolutely not. Like most of the best websites that started in English, I feel like they've developed like other options. So you can you can choose like I want this in German or I want this in Arabic even or I want this in French. And like you'll find the same website with the same layout, but its starting point was just an English language like again, I haven't done the research. I'm not as versed in like the Internet as as I feel like at least you are, but uh, I just, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think that it's necessarily exclusionary. It's kind of where things started in America, like with the internet, like literally. So when people were first starting out, they, and the thing is English websites used to be just as difficult to navigate and kind of just ugly. Like YouTube used to be oh, an so ugly page. Ugly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. and then it just, it like, it came together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that is a good point. Because even just in China, there's there are a ton of video websites, like a ton of them. YouTube is blocked unless you have a VPN, but even some days it's a little tricky. So they have UQ and all these other ones I can't think of right now. But there are a bunch of them. And there's a bunch of newer ones that are just like kind of the video side of Instagram where it's just 10 and 15 second videos. Like that's all it holds. Okay, interesting. So it's like Vine, almost. I don't know Vine. What is Vine? What oh, Vine just has Vine was awesome when it was the thing. It was like <laughs> 10 to 15 second videos and usually like funny and just a bit meaningless, but yeah. just just for fun. People would do like gags and stuff and very oh, short. Like, I think I would have um, liked that. <laughs> was that was that around for a long time? How did I miss that? Ah, <laughs> oh, I mean, if you were living abroad, like I like, I would understand. It's actually very active in the Arab community. Vines were big, and there were a lot of Arab viners. Viners, <laughs> like, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I'm a yeah, viner. Was, URL. 
<laughs> I love that VR. I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to be a thing. We have a few different ways that you can feedback. So if you go to stephfuccio.weebly.com forward slash contact, let me do that a little slower. S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com forward slash contact. You'll see all kinds of ways you can contact me and let me know what you think of this podcast. I have email, WeChat if you're in China, Twitter, LinkedIn, and my new favorite thing is SpeakPipe. Over on the right-hand side of that page, you'll be able to leave a sound recording, basically a voice message. You just hit the start recording button that's in bright orange. I can also respond in a voice message there as well. It's a really, really cool feature. I can't believe they have this available for free, but until they get smarter about that, I'm going to take advantage of it because it is such a cool feature. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of your input. When you're in England and when you're back in Egypt, do you find yourself still, I know you're used to watching stuff passively. Do you find yourself still kind of reaching out to folks in the same way on social media? Do you find yourself going to the same websites? Is there a big difference between what you do online? I mean, when I'm in England, I'm at university. So I'm obviously like researching a lot more when I'm in England. Mm-hmm. But in terms of my engagement, I think just once I started engaging for the first time, it was just like a floodgate that opened. Once I realized that I can leave a comment and the, the person who made the video can actually read that comment and actually like like it or heart it or then yeah. respond to me. Yeah. That just like changed my mindset entirely. And I was like, why was I being so passive for so long? I could have been active and people could have, you know, you know considered my ideas as well mm. with their videos and like, you know, I can give people compliments and it can like make their day or whatever and put yeah. a smile on their face. Like it was just such a like positive thing once I started being active online yeah. and Um, so I don't really stop when I come here, though I do get distracted. And so I try to spend less time online as well when I'm here. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, sure. But that's it. I I don't think my websites really change very much between like locations or. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think there's a lot more people just watching and consuming uh, stuff online than actively participating in stuff. What can we do to increase their participation? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all the YouTubers are saying like, comment, subscribe. And, and they just put the comment in the middle of the like and the subscribe. And mm. I think the like and the subscribe was going to happen anyway if they yeah. like. <laughs> and they want yeah. this. So they should just be like, you know, engage, you know, yeah. just I want to hear your thoughts. And that being the, the main thing that's emphasized. There's this amazing woman on YouTube her name is Julesy, or her channel is called Julesy. Uh-huh. She's African-American, and she talks a lot about, like, African-American issues. And she does, like, I guess she called her community this, or she has, like, a project that she she's named, like, Smart Brown Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and her community is, like, smart brown girls, whether or not they're girls or brown or smart. But, like, she just, she wants engagement from her channel, basically. Yeah. And I feel like her engagement is so much higher than most channels like at least from what I've seen of other channels of a similar size like Mm -hmm. and the reason is maybe that she always starts the video as well by saying you know we're trying to get our engagement up you know don't don't just watch and sit there passively like go down into the comments and leave me something to think about like what have 
like respond to what I'm saying. Don't just, yeah. and she really, really emphasizes it. And I think we just need to emphasize that more if we want more engagement. I am subscribed to her channel. I am. Subscribed. You are? Yeah. There's, I thought it was, awesome. but I just, I think I watched a video of hers last week on why more African-American women don't go, travel in Africa. I think that was her. Mm-hmm. yeah that sounds like her she does so many different things about so many different topics and mm-hmm. do you think a lot of creators want to get feedback I know they might say like comment subscribe but do you think most of them want to go back I, I can't speak for them to be honest but <laughs> I don't feel like most of them if they're if they're not already making content that is thought-provoking that that it like requires a lot of research that requires a lot of hard work to like be put into it if they're just making kind of surface level content they might not want critical feedback Mm -hmm. to improve like the quality of their videos they might just want feedback about like what the next video that they want like that the audience wants to see is or that kind of stuff but yeah I'm not sure yeah okay so as a creator do you feel any pressure to talk to your audience in multiple platforms to kind of be just like spread the information all around and keep up with all that stuff yes I feel so much pressure to do that I literally made a Facebook page for intellect grime yeah like for this reason even though I don't like Facebook even though I don't use Facebook and even though like I know that it's not gonna be fun for me to do that Mm-hmm. And I started off with just YouTube and Instagram. And to yeah. this day, I've only really been active on those two platforms. Mm-hmm. I still put that link for Facebook on some of the, like in some of the descriptions of my videos. And I still see that like, oh, Intellect Grime has like a couple of new views today, but it's because I'm not active on there that people don't really stay around or actually like that page. But I feel the pressure to like be everywhere, like you said, and to like update everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so needless. Like, why? If I'm just on this one platform, then people will know where to find me. It's just easier for them as well. Yeah, like, no, I'm, it, it's it's a bit much. I like the thing in Instagram when you post where you can check off different places and then it'll post it there for me because yeah. that takes care of a lot of it. But then they don't have some other places that I apparently have stuff. I don't even go to all the places that I post through Instagram. I just post, which I think is slightly irresponsible because I'm certainly not building a community there. I don't like Tumblr is one of the options. Apparently at some point I signed up for Tumblr. I never go to Tumblr. I don't even know what Tumblr looks like. (laughs) I'm posting over there and occasionally I will get new followers and I'm like, you poor thing. Can you come over here where I actually communicate with people? Because I don't actually use Tumblr. I don't have its app. I just think I went a little yeah. at first and signed up for everything because I yeah I feel I definitely feel that pressure and, and you yeah. because you see so many creators because they probably have people to take care of that for them right like yeah, that's true they're on so many different platforms and when they share a video they also share it on Facebook and they also share it on Instagram and yeah. they have like a little like short version on their story of the video so that you can get like a sneak preview and really want to go watch the video and like I feel like all that stuff is for way later, like for, for when you're really trying to grow past like tens of thousands. Like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm so tiny and I don't know why I still feel so much pressure to do no, that. 
I actually I, gonna delete the Facebook page because I'm gonna deactivate my account. I'm gonna be like, guys, don't don't check this, and I'm yeah. gonna go back to all my <laughs> and delete that Facebook link and be like, why did I even try to do that? It's just tricky because I do want I I don't want to get a lot of subscribers. I want to get people that are doing something similar. And in order to reach them, I feel like everybody has a social media area that they like the most. So I'm like, okay, if I just post everywhere, maybe they'll come over to here. And I don't know if that's true necessarily. I think people tend to stay in the social media area that they like. And then I'm posting everywhere, just spending time doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's very time consuming. It is. And people keep talking about SEOs. You have to get your SEO right. And I'm like, I don't. I know keywords. That's where my knowledge cuts off. And I think that I don't know what SEO is, but I don't know. There's all this stuff. Influencers, <laughs> like influencers are, are a thing now. Mm. Apparently, if you have enough of a following, people will pay you to keep your following going and mention their stuff. Oh, yeah. Like sponsorships and all of that. Yeah. Jazz. But they have a name now, like it's a job now, influencer. And apparently they post 35 to 40 posts a day. And I'm exhausted just hearing that number. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love your face oh. right now. <laughs> 35 to 40 posts a day. Just for Instagram? Like, yeah, just everywhere, anywhere, even just in one just place. That's spam though. Like 40 is spam. Like that's it's too much. 20. I thought you need like at least two posts to make it on Instagram or something per day. And that's still a lot. Like I have weeks where I don't use my Instagram because I'm just not inspired to put anything up there. I don't want to no. put up you know, crap that I, that I just going to spam the people that follow me and yeah. make them less likely to want to continue to follow exactly. me. So I, it's just like quality over quantity is my attempt, but for sure to make it. And I, I feel like you need to delegate all that to someone else. You need to mm-hmm. be like, okay, your job is literally to post yeah. on this account for me. But, and this, these are the intervals of time that yeah. like you're have oh yeah yeah and there are programs that do that now too but I refuse to do any of that right now I just like I walk down the street here and I could take I'm in a visual part of Asia I could take like 20 pictures in one hour and they would all be interesting not because of Mm -hmm. me because of the place that I'm at and I have Mm -hmm. to hold back because I refuse to post more than like what three or four a day a day yeah and I'm like 35 to 40 would even be hard where I am like what do you what how like that is your day you are you have that 35 and every day just it's it's insanity and also yeah your online presence I don't want it to overpower your real life presence I don't Mm -hmm. want to not be present in my everyday life which is why I don't like vlog in the traditional sense of like walking around with perhaps a friend or like when I go to lunch to, to film a bit of that or whatever, because yeah. that, this is my time. Like I'm eating, I'm going out to see my friends. Like I don't want to share that with people. Yeah. I yeah. just want to share what I've like planned to share. And I have a very like clear boundary for myself where yeah. I don't, I don't want it to take over my personal life. Like it's something that I almost keep a secret from certain people yeah. who are in that like boundary of, you're a pretty good friend of mine, but you're not like really, really close to me. And it's really <laughs> awkward for me to share with those people. Yeah. Like if a stranger, that's fine. I can be like, yeah, I'm an artist. I'm a creator. I'm a language learner. I'm a philosopher. I'm a poet. Like I can say all this stuff and not feel ashamed. And I can share and be vulnerable with the people who are really, really close to me. Mm-hmm. But it's that like mm-hmm. it, that sphere in the middle 
that I feel like vloggers are really confident to like share with that sphere of people. And I just can't, I can't like subject that part of my life to something so personal and like, and like online and public as well. Like it's, it's. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. How did you get to this place? Did you make this decision before starting intellect grime or did you kind of stumble and have to delete a few things? Cause you went over the line. <laughs> How did you find the um, line? <laughs> I think I've always known that that was going to be my line. Yeah. Um, whenever I saw like a vlogger or a vlog or whatever, I would, I would see it and I'd be like, you know, watching it and it's fine for me to watch as an audience member because that's not my life. Mm-hmm. But I knew that that's the part of my life that I didn't want to share. It's literally like your journey to the doctor's office or, you know, your chill time after work. Like, why would you take that time away from yourself mm-hmm. and put it out into the world for the public? Like, if, if like for you, for example, your channel, like, if you're walking to a certain destination, you might find that as like a great opportunity to film a video. And that's fine because your videos are like, you know, thematic. Like you're talking about your language learning, you're talking about the country that you're living in and like trying to access it more. I'm, and that's I'm not just lazy, I'm educating. Oh yeah, uh-huh. That's the excuse I use every time. <laughs> There's China behind me, folks. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Um, that's like a great opportunity for you to like film a video. Whereas like a lot of people, they maybe they wouldn't see it as an opportunity to film a video. They would be like, this is the video I'm going to make. It's, it's all of my personal time, basically. And like, I'm going to show people mm. all of my time yeah it's as if you were to share like a night in with your husband or something yeah a very personal time to you or like uh, when you go out to your brunch group you know like that's something that you do for yourself and it's not for the internet but you would like share that on the internet I just find that to be a bit too much like that's just like a bit of a boundary cross for me personally I don't judge anybody who vlogs but I I can't do that I'm smiling because I'm like guilty Totally guilty. The project that had a stalker. <laughs> oh, yeah. I literally had one because I was too personal. I did share the inner workings of my culture shock in my first country in Asia in 2003. And I did share, very rarely, but I did share that I was dating uh, X, Y, and Z person. Not details. I never did details, but I did mention, oh, got to go have a hot date or like something like that. And yeah. that experience, that blog, that year was my stumble and fall and let's just not put that online again kind of moment. I don't I don't think I deserve the stalker because of that, but I definitely think I posted too much. Like in the town that I was in, people would meet me and they'd go, oh, you're the blogger. And they were kind of hesitant to talk to me because they thought they'd end up in the blog, but I didn't describe people. I didn't use people's names, but they were like, oh, what if? And then, then they all went on Facebook and had everything available for everybody else anyway. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird that, like, with Facebook, for some reason, oversharing is fine. But right? then when it comes to other platforms, oversharing will, like, subject you to a lot of, like... Yeah, yeah. Control. Well, you've got a very, very clear personal private life thing online. What is something that people can ask themselves when they go online to kind of to kind of create or know where their line is, like how, which is there something they can ask themselves to get that boundary? 
Like, would I be comfortable either if a complete stranger knew this thing or would I be comfortable if my parents or my family or just someone that I don't share everything with were to know all this information, Mm -hmm. like an uncle or a cousin or someone that you're not, maybe not like super close to, but again, not completely, like they know you, they already have a perception of you and then you're adding to that perception. So would you be comfortable if X, Y, or Z person saw this? And if there is an answer where like, no, I wouldn't be comfortable, ask yourself, why? Why aren't you comfortable with that? Like, what is it about this piece of information that makes you uncomfortable about that? And then maybe find that line. Oh, you just just created another business. Oh, this is great. In the top right-hand corner of computers, and maybe is this the, what's it called? The screen when your phone's off, like when you first come on. Yeah, maybe the screensaver or whatever it's called. You could have like a picture of someone, that person that you're talking about. And that could maybe remind people everything you do, pretend like they can see it. How would that make you feel? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's good. I was interviewed by this local book group in Shanghai last year. And they said the best interview question ever at the end. She said, what else should I ask people in future interviews? And I'm like, oh, I'm stealing that. What should I ask other people <laughs> in future interviews? Again, kind of teasing out the, the online, the people's VRLs as uh, someone living overseas and their IRL overseas life. <laughs> what have you learned from your online experience? Mm-hmm. And like, or have you ever taken like a break from your online experience for any reason? And, and oh. why? Yeah, I have heard people doing, oh my God, I can't believe that's not in this question. See, this is why this question is so brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I give total and complete props to Wamey, who was the person who asked me that question a few months ago. Have you ever mm-hmm. taken a break from your VRL? I'm putting it in the questions. <laughs> nice. Wait, what did you say that meant? Virtual? Virtual, virtual reality life. Like, reality. That, that was the idea. Was like- I'm telling you, this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It makes so much sense to me because I do think that social media and all of the stuff that we <laughs> yeah. with online is a virtual reality in the sense that if we didn't, if we just ignored it, life wouldn't change. Like it, uh-huh. life started from the point without all this online stuff. It did. Well, okay. Oh, oh, you just brought up another thing. Okay. This is the real last question. You, when people used to write about themselves autobiographies and uh travelogues and anything kind of autobiographical is that different than when we write about ourselves online I think you need just more time and more reflection and and a wider scope to write something like an autobiography or a memoir even that's like supposed to be like a at least a decade's worth of experience I think you would write about in a memoir like I don't see anyone writing a memoir at the age of like 20 unless they've been through some mm-hmm. stuff it, it's interesting because we are documenting ourselves we are documenting mm-hmm. uh, a lot of what goes on in our heads and just like in a very autobiographical way where we're sharing ourselves with others with just what an autobiography is but it's it's much more in the moment like I feel like online is is so immediate and instant and you can just like like Twitter is a great example Twitter is a, a platform I've almost never been on like again it was fleeting but it was a really interesting experience when I was on it because it was like people are sharing so much but it's like a tiny 
like quantity this is the 120 characters mm -hmm. but then they get to you know share as much as they want like they could do several tweets if they wanted or mm -hmm. like in the moment they can just be like I have this thought I'm going to share it with people and like send and then it's off and mm -hmm. yeah I don't know it's it's in, it's an interesting question um there's something about time retro retro what the hell is the word I'm thinking of uh, an introspection and time, 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 time. I keep thinking of time. Oh, okay. So here's another business opportunity. If you were to create a social media app, <laughs> I have lots of ideas, but I hate making actually. Awesome. You should, you should, like, you sound very entrepreneurial. Like you're like business idea. Here's another business idea. The ideal situation for that is if I could sell my ideas, like as far as like oh, yeah. through with all of the grunt work, I'm so not that person. So <laughs> listeners, sorry, one second. Listeners, if you, uh, <laughs> if you want to follow through with any of the ideas, all I request is that you cite all of my projects. That's it. I don't need any financial <laughs> I just want credit. I just want credit. Just yeah. site perfect. I just say, yeah, anyway. Anyway, so the opportunity. I know there's programs that exist where you can pre-schedule the tweets and the Instagram posts and those kinds of things in advance. But what if there was something you could put on your phone, not to block the internet or to tell you how many times you you started it, although I'm very intrigued by that app, but to intentionally, like every time you try to post it waits a certain amount of time, whether it be a day, five days, a week, a month, or intentionally won't let you post immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like how the real world works with like delayed gratification. Right? A lot of the things we've posted, because right. sometimes I look back at stuff I've made and I'm like, ah, cringe, you know, I know, I wish I hadn't shared that so immediately, but then also the immediacy allows us to like bypass a lot of the confidence issues we have and stuff mm -hmm. because so many of us are like anxiety ridden or like we don't really believe in ourselves and stuff as women as well, which is one of the reasons we're not the majority of people online, even though we're half of the population of the planet, but like we're so anxiety ridden and we wouldn't post unless it was immediate. And so maybe that, that social media like app wouldn't be very successful because people just they've gotten used to instant gratification and instant gratification in a lot of ways has uh, has allowed people to to just share you know just like do it get it over with you don't have to think about it again who checks their twitter accounts after they've posted something like i don't know i don't know i don't know who actually goes back like a year ago what was i posting about no idea and it, so it's not out of like twitter maybe not wouldn't shouldn't be considered an autobiographical thing because it's it's something that it, it just almost immediately like fades away there is this like catalog of all the things that you've ever posted like that you could potentially access but almost no one does access it right. so it's we're starting to do that on one of my other podcasts but yeah other than that generally speaking no <laughs> no um and it's interesting because I haven't I've, I've just I'm in this constant stream of now 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 like things that are happening people I want to communicate with now like I don't even look back that much on my own posts and but I feel like if I did it would give me a sense of what was going what would be going on even though yeah. I don't necessarily post super personal stuff anymore I feel like the articles that I retweeted uh the pictures of the locations or what I'm taking a picture of at that time might say something about where I was what I was thinking yeah. I don't know. 
That's interesting. Okay, so the the delayed release app would only be for men because they're over. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> the most confident of people, I think, would would have the delayed. Um, either the most confident or the people with like just future thinking skills, like people who really know what they want to say and they still believe in the thing like two months later and they don't just like want to say whatever they can say in the moment because they have access to the like they have an ability to say whatever they want. They internet is just and it's it's a baby. It's still so young and like I always thought that I started YouTube way too late. I wish I was born like 10 years before I was so that I could be part of the like starting up of YouTube. But yeah. it, we're still at such an early stage of the internet. It hasn't even been half a century since it like properly got started. So, And you um, missed a few years of kitten videos. Like it was awful at first. It was really, really bad. No, kitten videos are amazing. What are you talking about? Okay, I like <laughs> Don't that. Don't content on but, YouTube. But honestly, <laughs> there's only so many kitten videos that need to be viewed in any given day. <laughs> we post so many. I don't actually know the statistic for this, but how many like new like pieces, of, like digital files are posted online every single day? but it's probably in the billions. Like there's so many people just posting stuff online and it's, yeah. it's there now, you know, and it's, it's so crazy. Where is this going to go? Where is this going to go? Are we going to continue at this pace or do you think we'll get bored with it? I'm bored with it. <laughs> I'm bored with some of it. I'm ready to like discontinue my Facebook, uh, mm. my Facebook, like, presence completely i'm actually yeah. deactivating my account like as soon as this podcast <laughs> ends i'm just gonna be like going on Facebook. oh my god and although may did not leave the internet or this conversation abruptly intentionally we actually got disconnected right after that <laughs> i tried to piece together something and my internet did not work the day that we were scheduled to patch the the end of this puppy up. So I'm just going to leave this brief message thanking May for being on here and being very generous with her time and her ideas. I'm going to link all of the information that we talked about in the show notes, including May's YouTube channel, Intellect Grime. And I strongly, strongly suggest going over there and checking her out. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of virtual expat and special thank you again to damon castillo for the music and to our special guest this time if you'd like to be interviewed for this podcast just send me an email or contact me on social media in the show notes you can find all my information or you can just jot it down right now are you ready you ready here we go steph fuccio s-t-e-p-h-f-u-c-c-i-o gmail instagram twitter tumblr there you go contact me. Oh, also LinkedIn too. You know what? I keep forgetting about that one. Hey, thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to your questions, comments, feedback, any information and volunteering to be on the podcast as well. Thank you so much and have a wonderful, wonderful day on or offline.